Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Hey, Dave, how are you today? Hey, James, good, good. Good. Well, hey, I'm excited today for what we're talking about. Um, the other day, you and I, we just briefly mentioned it, and uh, you were talking about basically what you're seeing in Matthew 25 in regard to being a disciple or making a disciple. Yeah. Yeah, what are you seeing there? What's the what's the passage talking about? What's What's kind of the root of this? Okay, yeah. So Matthew 25, uh, there's three parables, as I recall, in there. And one of them, in particular, the last one before chapter 26 uh, comes in, is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And it's, it's pretty long as far as the text goes, so I won't read it all, but, but it's, um, it's the part where Jesus has said, like, hey, you know, there's going to come a day where, you know, everybody's going to be, God's going to separate out the sheep from the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his majesty, accompanies with the throngs of heavenly messengers, his throne will be wondrous, and all the nations will assemble before him, and he will judge them, distinguishing them from one another as the sheep eyes, as, as one eye, distinguishing them from one another as a shepherd isolates the sheep from the goats, putting the, the sheep at the right hand and the goats at the left. And so that was from the, the voice for y'all who like to know what we're reading from. And then, of course, uh, he, he basically says, you know, hey, good job. Those of you who you saw me hungry, you fed me. You saw me thirsty, you gave me drink. You saw me alone, you welcomed me. Uh, I was a stranger, you welcomed me. You saw me naked, you gave me clothes. You saw me sick, and you tended to my needs. And I was in prison, and you, you came and comforted me. Or you comforted me. And, of course, then the, the people are like, well, when was this? And he's like, well, when you did it to the least of these. And Of course, then there's the, the part that I feel like is one of the heaviest things I read in, in scriptures. The reciprocal of that is, you know, he turns to the others. And it's the exact same order, but this time it's that they omitted. They didn't do those things. And, of course, they're the ones who, who depart off to be separated from from the Lord. Uh-huh. So this is kind of anyway, James. What I'm seeing basically is that oh, basically just to get out and say it, following Jesus involves meeting the needs of people who lack who lack these basic resources, who lack basic companionship, uh, people who have been isolated because of the wrongs they've done and been separated from society. Following Jesus means that these these things are a hallmark of the disciples' life. Mm-hmm. And so what what do you see? What do you say like are we doing it? Are we not doing it? What's your opinion? How is this playing out in your life? Okay. Well, honestly, James, I wrestled a little bit with whether or not to 
to share this because when you and I talk privately in our own podcast, which has a two-person audience, that being you and I, uh-huh. uh, I don't I don't normally hesitate to share what I do because you know me well enough. I don't think I could impress you anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit what I'm doing today, not to impress or to lose my awards. Uh, it's not that impressive anyway. One thing recently that has probably brought this to the fore that has brought this to the forefront of my mind is I have a friend who, who actually used to be homeless and he now enjoys having a, a warm place to be every night. Uh, he, he doesn't miss meals. So he's, he, he feels very blessed, but he wanted to do something to give back. So he, uh, has been allowing, uh, a couple guys, uh, from the house church I go to, me and another guy, he's been allowing us to come with him to go out on Tuesday nights and uh, help hand out some food. Uh, every now and then we'll have some articles of clothing. So that's kind of become a part of, of my weekly structure. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, once again, not not bragging about it, not trying to impress anyone. If anything, I feel like it's, uh, oh, you might remember back in college, like you went to biology 1114, you know, the intro class. I feel like this is, is Matthew 25, level. 101. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean you got a degree. It just means you showed up and decided you wanted to learn something. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement, and I think that's an okay place to be. And I think even, even in your life or my life, Right now, I also have a guy in my life that was recently quasi-homeless, and he's now moving towards a, he's got a warm roof over his head, and he's moving towards his own place, you know, and those are are really good things. But it does get a little messy. But I would also just throw out that you and I have both had some experiences in our life uh, where we tried to help people, and we flunked, we flunked Matthew 25, 101, even though, even though we were trying to work, trying to help, or, you know. I don't know. I think about yeah. maybe like Freddie or oh, I can think of a number of examples. That's the name that comes to mind. But Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. James and I used to live together and there was a guy that we we thought we were living out Matthew 25. But I'm like I say it. <laughs> my relationship with the guy didn't end well and I can't claim that it was really all his fault. So I I'm back taking the class again. <laughs> right. Right. But part of it, if we were going to say it, like part of being a disciple is being in class, right? Yeah. You know, like just being in class, being in class is better than skipping class. Let's say that way. Yep. You know, and I think the really, I joke about saying failing and recycling or um, taking the class again, but really the the times when I, I failed has been the times when I haven't, haven't stepped in and helped at all or where I've not been concerned about them. Yeah. But the the tricky part, and I've thought about this a number of times recently, the tricky part is if you're a a white, middle-class, Christian background person, is that it gets really messy when you get in, in with these people. And even the guy that you're helping out, it's not like all of a sudden everything's super glorious and he's doing this great work and uh, you use the word allowed, and, and I appreciate the humility there. But it's not as though like he has it all figured out now or that his life is all perfect. You know, like, it's still messy. Uh, my friend's life is still messy, but it's getting less messy. 
but but for us, I think it's a part of the challenge is like to be willing to jump into the mess. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in different ways with our kids to jump into the mess. And what I found, yeah. one of the things I found most interesting uh, when my friend, we found out he was he was fixing to be homeless, and we were like, well, don't do that, you know, like maybe work out some, come stay with us for a few days until we figure something out, and. He stayed with us three or four days and he was, you know, everything was, he went, uh, he went above and beyond to be above reproach and like really tried to work with that. But there was also like a certain stress level that at least in our current situation, like, okay, this is, we've done the part we can in terms of like letting you live with this. We got to move to something else. And what I found most interesting is the person that like, so then there was a couple of days where he was living in his car. We're checking on him some, but like that's, that's where he has right now. And the, the lady that takes him in, you know, is not a is not a a middle class Christian background lady. You know, she's a she's an older lady, but has probably lived a pretty rough life. But she's willing to jump in and say, you know what? I, I was just thinking about him out there. I just couldn't handle it. You know, I've got an extra room. He can stay with me. Mm. And so many times, I feel like it's not. And I. I I don't know how how low lower socioeconomic class of people are with uh, Christians are, but middle class, you know, it's this challenge of getting in the mess. And here's this lady who's way poorer, has had a rough life, but she's the one that takes him in. And that's not to imply in the ply she's perfect, but she's the one that's jumping in and doing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. What do you think? What do you think we do about that, both as as in our own life and as we are discipling people? Hmm. I think there's a, there are a few things. To remember one thing I was reading last night. I really appreciate the uh, the Bible app, which the Bible yeah. app or U version. They have a verse of the day, and I noticed yesterday it was Romans fifteen four, and I didn't write it completely down, but a couple excerpts that really. I liked. I have mindset to the message. I love the feel of the message and the paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. And it says, Jesus, referring to him, he didn't make it easy for himself, but he waited right in and helped out. I think, James, you've hit on a big point that when you're when you have a job that puts food on the table, even if you're kind of, you know, getting laughed at for your old model car and your maybe your small house and the fact that you don't go on as many vacations as a relative. If you have those things, you have a certain amount of stability in your life. You probably don't have people who come and say, Hey, I need you to help me beat my basic, meet my basic needs. And there's, there's this wall of insulation that I think protects us. If I could even, if that's even, it might be a fallacy to use that word, but it protects us from people with needs. Perhaps sometimes people with needs are the ones who are the most equipped to help others. But I think the first thing is we have to overcome some of the barriers. And uh huh. And how do we, for instance, do, how do we do that practically? Yeah. In my neighborhood, I I live next to some people that I'm sure probably struggle some with basic needs, but for the most part, I live, I live in a, not a rich neighborhood, but I, I'm somewhat insulated just by geography. 
you, a guy may have a person may have to start out simply by just going where the need is. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I hope that 10 years from now, I'm not, I'd like to think that I'm going to grow beyond what I do on Tuesday nights where I get in a car with my house church friend. We drive about five miles South to downtown OKC and we do the block. I, I hope that I've grown beyond that in some way. Uh-huh. But for now, I just find that you just have to stop your weekly routine. At least what I'm finding for me is I had to find something or God brought me something where I was able to choose to stop my weekly routine, leave my insulated life with plenty of money and food and warm clothing and go insert myself into somebody else's place just to even get started. You, you just have to stop what you're doing and make time for it. Uh-huh. I, I think there, there are creative ways you can probably work it into your, your flow. But for me, most of us are just so well insulated against poverty and against people with true needs that uh-huh. you're just going to have to go out of your way to, to be of use to them, I think, as a starting point. Yeah. What I feel like when I talk to people or when, when these kind of situations come up, I feel like one of the things I hear most often, it, it's the fear factor of like, well, what if they, what if they do something to me or what if they take advantage of me or, uh, will it be, will it be safe? How do you, how do you address people or what do you do in your own life? I mean, I have my own thoughts about like, is this safe or not? Like, how do you weigh that balance or how do you help somebody that hasn't ever maybe broken through that insulation barrier? Absolutely. Well, first I have, there's an answer I want to give to that. Well, how about a response? (laughs) But before I do that, I want to make sure that everyone is listening knows that this conversation is completely laid on the foundation of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you are saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared for us in advance. So mm-hmm. this isn't about us being goats trying to work our way into being sheep on the sheep side. Like, <laughs> if I can just clothe one more naked person, I think I can crawl through that barbed wire fence and I'll be on the sheep side. This is about a Savior who's making us into sheep. And, and I think there is a, I know I'm not a big down systematic theology, but I, I think, I think there is kind of a practical, you know, I think of the scripture that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh-huh. And what that means, what I think of when I hear that verse is, I love the security I have in Jesus and that he's the one who does the heavy lifting and I just trust him. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I see in the scriptures that we find assurance of our salvation as we go out and we begin to, it's hard, if I'm acting like a goat, instead of trying to convince myself I'm a sheep, how about I start trying to live out what a sheep does and say, Jesus, I know you're the one that does this, and I just uh-huh. want to, I want to express my faith in what you've done by living this out. Uh-huh. And believe that you are incarnationally even inspiring me a second to live that out, and uh-huh. and you and Jesus, you know this holy mystery is your job. So, all yeah. that to say, okay, the rabbit trails back. I want to answer your question. The fear factor. 
Yeah, that's huge. I'm going to admit right now to anyone who's listening, I still have um, yet with a family to bring a homeless person into my house, and I don't plan on doing it this week. Mm-hmm. I don't think me and my wife are quite ready for that. But here's so I, I guess I'm trying to say I don't have it all figured out either. Uh-huh. Uh, perhaps I'm still held by fear. But when we look at Matthew 25 and we see that there's going to be a great day where Jesus is going to you know, say these things, it makes me think, hey, I think there's probably going to be more. If, if this is really true, I am putting myself and my family in more danger mm. by insulating myself from the poor and the needy mm-hmm. than putting myself into the poor and needy's world and bringing them into mine, it would probably be safer for me to attenuate some risk. And, you know, was it, it says fear of man, God says that fear of man is a snare, uh-huh. you know, reserve your fear for God. I think, I know it's a little philosophical, but if Matthew 25 is really true, I think we have more to fear by insulating ourselves from the needy than what security we would have gained by pushing them away. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's And a... I think when we have the Go ahead. Oh, when we have the faith to believe that, I think that's a starting place for all right, Lord. And I think secondly, just choosing to believe that God's got your back. Uh-huh. And 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 finally that while there are some people out there who have bad intentions, or maybe are mentally unstable and may not be able to help themselves. You know, the people I meet on Tuesday night are so sweet. Uh-huh. I've yet to meet really one who, who makes me uncomfortable. We go and we feel welcomed. Uh, they know who we are. They know our intentions. You know, it, it just, the more I go, the more I feel safe there. And uh-huh. yeah. so I think we kind of have to realize God's got our back. And Lord, help me grow in faith. Help me take some calculated faith risks uh-huh. for your kingdom. Uh-huh. I think those are all really good. And I think I think there's a, like in one sense what you say, there comes a point in time when you go there often enough that it gets to where the community protects you because you're doing good to the community. You know, like they will yeah. warn you if something's not right. And I've had a lot of guys, I have yet to go into a prison, but I have, have a lot of guys who've worked in there who say that basic thing, like, oh man, if anything happened, you know, like the guys I help all the time, they'd protect me. I mean, they'd, I wouldn't even worry about it. The other thing is, I think there are some, you know, common dangers and not dangers in like, oh, I'm going to get physically hurt. But just as you're working with them, some things, things we learn is one is that sometimes you're being manipulated. And along with that is realizing is that, that, I don't think God's call is to meet every one of their needs without any of their input. Now, it may be, it may be to meet this need tonight or maybe even for a couple of days without any of their input back. Like sometimes there are people, they're just in bad shape and they just need, they need some, some lifting up on their feet. But it's not your responsibility to like suddenly solve all of their problems. You know, they have to be, they have to be involved in that. And they have to want that. Like you also can't, just because somebody's poor and you think they're middle, you think a middle class life would be better for them. Some of them don't want that. That's not, that's not what they desire. And you can't force somebody into something they don't want. You know, so there's, 
sometimes there's some tough love that has to be involved. And I think there's some boundaries that you have to have or kind of know, like, you know, I can go to this far and then, and then, then I'm going to stop, you know? And I think when we can communicate those boundaries at the beginning, that helps too. You know, yeah, you can stay with me for a night, but tomorrow you'll need to find somewhere else. Or I can, you know, I can feed you, I can get, I can buy you groceries this week, but I can't next week. You know, this is, this is the extent that I can do. And then the other thing is also knowing to like, you by yourself is really hard to meet all the needs for a person. Mm-hmm. And it's good to be able to pull your church in. And even with this guy that we helped, you know, a few days he stayed in our house. That's no problem. But then I, I call our church. I say, okay, I've done this much. Can we, can we as a church do a little bit more? And yeah, they say, yeah, we can, you know, we can put him up in a hotel for a couple of days. We do that for, you know, transient people, you know, and then, as different things come, you know, the pastor's like, well, you know, just kind of keep me up to date on what's going on. And then uh, as he's getting another level of stability, I may reach out and say, hey, he has some needs, some things to kind of get his this new place he's going to stay set up. Could we help with that? And, and you know, uh, again, part of it is like not becoming, not trying to become the savior ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is God's work. I like that verse she referenced. This is God's work. He's prepared it in advance for us to do. You know, so we do our part and he does his part and the church and the, the believers around us do our part. The biggest danger yeah. is just, I think, I think, as you said, is in not doing it at all. Yes. And, and by omission, discipling our kids to not do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's much easier. And, and that's the other thing I would say is like, if if you're not comfortable doing it, you know, go volunteer somewhere where they are, like go to a food bank or go to a prison ministry or go, go somewhere and say, hey, listen, I'm scared to death of homeless people, but I, I, I don't want to be, you know, like can coach me through this, disciple me through this. And then correspondingly, if you're discipling someone, bring them with you. Hey, listen, let's go feed the homeless tonight. I want to introduce you to my yeah. friend Jimmy that lives on the streets or, um, and, and then when appropriate, take your take your children with you, you know, like, let's go minister together. This is something our family does is we take care of people when we see they need something. And in some ways, letting your kids wrestle with some of those things. And it, you know, use wisdom, use a lot of prayer. But I feel like if I look back in the history of my life, there's been definitely some times I've been manipulated. Um, I don't remember any time really feeling physical danger. Uh, I remember a lot of blessings and I remember, I remember being helpful and being a useful part of the kingdom of God. And I, and I remember people's gratitude for when we helped. And so, uh, pluses and minuses. I think, I think I'm still in Matthew 25, 101 learning, but just being there and, and working in it and, and learning is a great thing. And, you know, I think if we're really going to be the church and we're really going to say we're going to make disciples of Jesus, we're going to have to step out a little bit. Yeah. And it really is. Yeah. I can sing back. It really is fear sometimes that like, like sets people back. And I'm thinking of this example in my part of the country, about 50 miles from me on I-40, there's this Indian truck stop. And we've been in there multiple times. Um, we're often the only white people when we're in there, you know, uh, it's ethnic products from, from India, Pakistan, all this stuff. 
it's a Sikh guy that runs it. He's got the turban on sometimes, like all this stuff. But we go in there. We're pretty comfortable there. You know, it's, it's obviously it's not our culture, but they're nice people. We're friendly to them. They're friendly to us. Uh, even had a minor spiritual conversation with the guy last time we were there. But then I talked to other Christians that are just freaked out about the place. Oh man, I've heard they're weird. You know, like we're not going in there. I've got a rough guy who's, you know, who's a borderline criminal and he won't go in there. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, I, I go in there and I take my kids. I don't even worry about it. But so many times it's the fear of the unknown. Or, you know, we're listening to somebody from the world's perspective tell us about how somebody is or isn't. And I just think often the fear is worse than what's actually there. Yeah, absolutely. Fear is, fear will keep us from, you know, so much. I remember years ago, this is, I worked next to the OKC bombing memorial where the Mm. Murrah building was bombed. And it's funny, years and years ago, I heard a guy say, um, you know, I'm glad I would never go to the Middle East, you know, to to do missions or go visit or do anything because, you know, it's just too high a risk. And we were standing in the building next to, next to the bombing memorial. It's like, you know, there's danger everywhere. Uh And, you know, I, I admit that when I go out on Tuesday nights, I'm probably in more danger than I am at home. And I admit I haven't taken my, my daughter yet or my, my wife, but, yeah, I think the church today is, we as disciples, as, as people who would aspire to follow Jesus, we're in a lot more danger of letting fear, of what our own fears could do us, than we are, you know, what people could do to us. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, reminds me of, of a book that I want to read that I've heard about. And it's called when uh, when man is big and God is small, and it's this it's this idea of the fear of man that the fear of of man is is bigger than our fear of disobeying God. Yeah, and that's a it's not a good place to walk in, and it's not a, a not a good place to to let ourselves or our disciples, people we disciple, walk in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of wrapping it up, what would your conclusion be or what would be your advice to somebody listening here? Yeah, I think a couple things come to mind. As Americans and especially like middle class people who have it all together, we, you know, we like to be problem solvers. We like the idea of, of fixing things and the scope of homelessness and why people are homeless, and why they remain homeless, like it's overwhelming. I think, first of all, you've got to, you've got to surrender your fixer's attitude to Jesus. Mm. He might fix them, mm-hmm. and they might have the willpower to get up and do something, but I think you got to surrender that to Jesus. Two, I think we also have this, I think, this, this view of justice, like, well, you know, I I was at work today, and where were they? You know, they were down at the the day center uh, on the computer. They were at the Metropolitan Library surfing the internet. Like they need to get a job, and I I just don't plan to help. What's the word? What's the word we use? Um, facilitate. 
what is it enable enable uh-huh i don't plan to enable that uh, yeah there's a degree of that but i think i think we're so caught up in the fear of enabling in this sense of justice we have that we run a greater fear of not ministering to jesus like is described in matthew 25 so having said that I would say if if you don't have a venue in your life, your own version of Matthew 25, 101, find it. And, you know, if it's if it's going to a, a, a line, uh, I, I'm going to say this. I, I say don't even try and get yourself a little bit more risk than even going to the food bank. I mean, go somewhere where there are the, the common thing we see in Matthew 25 isn't like, oh, you know, I was needy and you transferred funds to me. I was needy <laughs> and you allowed the you allowed the world gigantic sized NGO, you know, you donated to them through your, your iPhone and those funds bought right no. The common one of the common things we see here is my soul and your soul had an interaction and you imparted mm. love and a blessing to me. So find some place where your soul can impart love, a handshake, a smile, and a, uh, to another person's soul. In Jesus' name, whether it's you know a, a meal line, whether it's a clothing closet, or uh, like you're doing, James, with the prison ministry, maybe it's visiting the people in the nursing home who, who smell like urine, and, and it's a sad place where nobody wants to be there. But go find a place where you can give love from yourself to someone else in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. And uh, and it probably won't be the place you stay forever. You might It might morph into something different. But I think uh, when we get out there and get our hands dirty, so to speak, it just kind of opens up. I think God changes our hearts. I agree. Well, I would say with that word... Uh, go out and and get at it and let us know. If you have questions, we sure don't have the answers, but we've made a number of mistakes. Uh, you can get a hold of us at podcast at luke5.com. That's Luke, L-U-K-E-F-I-V-E, not the number, luke5.com. So send us an email or get a hold of us, and we'd love to help you. And if you have uh, some suggestions for us, we'd love to hear that. So I think Absolutely. that's it for the day. And... Uh, Go and make disciples. Do it.